Hello and welcome once again to Wrestling Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. We are also live beyond the FM dial at RadioNorthland.org and tune in. That's a nice little app for your smartphone. And also you can check out RadioNorthland.org if you just so happen to not be able to listen to this uh, fine little program live and in the moment. You can also uh, go to our, our website, RadioNorthland.org. All the episodes are there from uh, our almost completed seven seasons of wrestling memories then and now glenn broggett here back and ready to roll and uh speaking of back and ready to roll the gentleman uh who went out on assignment uh, he's been out looking high looking low and getting a little bit of a break in between it's always uh good to have him back on the program a member of the wrestling memories team my co-host all the way down the deep in the heart of texas in the mobile studio the one and only grizzled veteran my Michael McCurdy. Mike, it's so nice to, to have you back. Uh, it's been a while uh, since you've uh, been on the uh, on the Wrestling Memories uh, airwaves here. It has been a few weeks, man. I'm glad to be back in the uh, back in the saddle again, as they might say, here in Texas. And while, you know, like I said, on assignment, this time this assignment took a little longer than uh, normal, so took a few weeks off. But, you know, I'm back. We're going to talk a little bit about 2018, talk a little bit about what's coming up in the future for 2019 for the show. But you know what? I'm glad to be back, and man, before I forget, because, you know, first time back, happy holidays to you and your family, happy holidays to all of our listeners, have not had a chance to, you know, wish a Merry Christmas to everybody out there in Wrestling Memories Land. Well, absolutely, it's a uh, happy holidays and season's greetings to you as well. Uh, yeah, we've had a few uh, different uh, shows here, uh, I've had a few different little projects while you've been on assignment, and last week we uh, welcome back to the Wrestling Memories uh, gang, Mr. George Shire, and uh, for next year uh, we could uh, all work on some pretty good episodes uh, historically uh, through uh, the many great decades of pro wrestling, not only just in the AWA up here, but uh, beyond with, with George, so uh, another nice welcome return in uh, 2018. I did have a chance to listen to last week's show, it was very good, always glad to hear uh from George, George, one of the you know more respected historians out there in there, along with you know Scott Teal, Mark James, many of our other guests that have been on the show. But it was a pleasure to hear from George again. And, but once again, man, I'm glad to be back. A lot of good things happening. One thing I've been working on, man, we're going to talk about this a little bit more detail. You and I, we're going to be doing a little bit with the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame for 2019. Johnny Mantel is going to be joining us next month to talk about the upcoming class. And I got a few irons in the fire as far as writing for the uh, induction program, and we're going to have a few guests that are going to be related to the Hall of Fame as well. So our listeners got that to look forward to. I'm very much looking forward to that. When you uh, sent that to me in a, in a message, uh, you know, I'm talking about Johnny and the Hall of Fame down there in Wichita Falls, about the uh, um, the possible in- inclusion of, of wrestling memories then and now. Uh, you know, that 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 that's very very big uh, to me, and I know it's very important for a lot of the listeners out there, not only up here in the listening area, but beyond, who are checking out, uh, whether it be down in Texas or uh, in the other parts of the, of the United States and the world, for that matter. Yep, and with our blog page on Facebook and everything else, I'm going to be able to go live from the Hall of Fame. So people who follow us on Facebook or on our group page, they're going to see live video from the Hall of Fame while I'm there, and you never know who I'm going to speak to. When I was there back in May, I got to see gorgeous Gary Young, Iceman King Parsons, Frogman LeBlanc, a man people might remember, Stone Cold Steve Austin. That was his debut match against Frogman LeBlanc. I got the chance to talk to Beverly Shade. I got the chance to talk with... Ross Hart of the famous Hart family. So many people I got to see. And this year, I'm going to be bringing some of those people live. So that's something I'm looking forward to. We got a lot of work to do, a little, some kinks to work out. But, you know, we're even talking maybe a live broadcast from the Hall of Fame for Wrestling Memories in and now in May. Still in the works on that one. But, you know, something, you know, particularly answers attention and, you know, keep them paying attention to what we're doing. But we're going to be doing a lot with Hall of Fame. So I'm excited. Oh, I'm very excited, too, and uh, that'd be one of those times where I don't mind coming in at whatever time to run the board so we can get ourselves a nice uh, episode uh, recorded, whether it be live or live on tape, uh, of the events that are going to be going on there uh, next year. Uh, soon to be turned over a uh, year, though. It's uh, 2019 is getting awful close and around the corner. Uh, the days are, are, are very few. Definitely, man. I don't know where 2018 went. <laughs> Because, you know, if you remember, if you look if you look back on our chronological order here of our shows and all that, my first show as the co-host of Wrestling Memories was just back in January, about the end of January of 2018, and I'm coming up on one year 
as a co-host here at Wrestling Memories, and it's just flown by with all the guests we've had. So I don't know where 2018 went. I'm hoping 2019 slows down a little bit. Yeah, I kind of yeah. like to enjoy it. Well, in this day and age, it just seems like, I guess, as we get older, uh, it seems like we're moving at an accelerated speed, even as our bodies are telling us to go slower. It just seems like mentally we move so fast and we, uh, <laughs> you know, it just seems so crazy. I mean, yeah, it would seem like we were just getting started with uh, the uh, new season of Wrestling Memories then and now. I mean, I had uh, uh, had you on the program, of course, along with uh, Mr. Outrageous, Al Burke. I mean, that was a, a heck of an episode. Good way to uh, get you uh, formally uh, introduced uh, to, to the Wrestling Memories family. Yes, and and that was the episode where the uh, the grizzled veteran was born because uh, it was around, I think, 9 o'clock in the morning, a lovely 40 degrees outside. My allergies were kind of affecting the vocal cords. So as I'm inter- uh, interviewing Al Burke, I kind of sounded like this a little bit when I talk, so that unfortunately became the uh, the debut of the Grizzled Veteran, which is a role now that I've taken on uh, proudly, but that was kind of the debut was with Al Burke, and I knew Al from CAC, so we had a few good uh, laughs back and forth, and you know, Al put me in my place a couple times, but I think it was a good start to uh, a great partnership between you and I with Wrestling Memories. Oh, oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, we've had some great guests. Uh, when, when we look back here on the year, it it seems like uh, we've had minimal uh, repeats as far as our program goes. But uh, we've we've had some some real highlights. I mean, we're going to talk about the year. We might as well talk about some of the people that have uh, have stopped by and uh, have really made it fun. Uh, both uh, you know, when both of us have been on board, or if I've done something solo, we've had some really good guests. And uh, one of the great guests, I think, uh, one of the good catches of the year. As far as the uh, the veterans go, a guy that really came back uh, out of the woodwork uh, this year, thanks to a book that he um, was he put out uh, and co-authored with John Cosper, uh, and John was so generous uh, to be able to to send us advance uh, PDFs of the book as well as get us hooked up with the man. Uh, I'm talking about a guy uh, who uh, now is even getting more acceptable, uh, more good positive vibes uh, next year out, out at CAC. I'm talking about about uh, the man, Dr. D. David Schultz. Now, what did you think uh, when we look back, uh, when, when you heard that you, there was a chance that you were gonna, we were going to have Dr. D. on the program and, and talk about uh, just what you can remember from, from David Schultz? I mean, this was a guy that he just came back big in 2018. You, all of a sudden, you were hearing him on different things and how early on in the campaign, he was so kind and gracious. Uh, thanks, John Cosper, too, to uh, chat with us. You know, Dr. D was actually one of the first, I'm not going to say, you know, all not all of our guests aren't high profile, but Dr. D was probably one of our first, you know, majorly high profile guests that I had an opportunity to interview. You've had plenty of uh, high profile guys over the years before me when you and George hosted the show. But for me, Dr. D was one of the first major label guys. And I remember as a kid watching Dr. D, David Schultz on TV, and that man was scary. I remember watching him on 2020, John Stossel, you know, open-hand slap upside here, which we talked about on the show. So the chance to actually sit down and talk with Dr. D, David Schultz, the man, you know, just David Schultz, not, you know, not Dr. D, not the rough and tough guy in the rain that was fighting Hulk Hogan, but just David Schultz to talk about his life and his career. For me, that was one of the first highlights for wrestling memories on was a chance to do that. Cause like I said, that was my childhood was growing up watching Dr. D David Schultz, and yours as well. I mean, you know, we're, I'd say we're roughly about the same age, so yeah, we're you know, real, what we grew up on. So it was kind of fun, and and like you said, Doctor D, he's getting out there now. He's been on Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast, um, Cauliflower Alley Club. He'll be you know, only they're mentioning him out there. You know, maybe we'll see him at the Hall of Fame this year. Who knows? I mean, Johnny has mentioned his name before. You know, Doctor D's kind of had a career resurgence. I think people are seeing another side of him, and we had the opportunity to present that side to people. So I was very proud of that interview. It was one of those where we could have just kept on talking, where we found some some of that comfort. Like I, I was initially too, because of like you said, we grew up in that era of professional wrestling, where 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 Doctor D was, you know, in, in the WWF, and we heard about the whole thing he had to deal with with John Stossel and, and the, the, his uh, run as you know a bounty hunter outside of the pro wrestling uh, business. But it was just so put he put us at ease, you know, right away before we even t- push play on on on, on the uh, or push record on the interview. It just was one of those that really, really helped us. And it's one of those when I look back on the year, you know, as 
just such a fun, fun uh, interview for us. Uh. Well, definitely. Like I said, John Cosper, a great guy. John Cosper has been a guest on the show as well uh, before I came on, but he's got a great line of books. And another guy that, you know, not to skip off on Dr. D. David Schultz, but another guy that John Cosper brought to us, which for me was a highlight of someone interview, was someone that a lot of people, you know the name, but you may not know much about the guy because of his image and everything else. And that was Madman Pondo. Madman Pondo wrote a book along with John Cosper, and we had a chance to get a copy of that. We read that. That was by far one of the most entertaining books I've read this year. And he was a great guest as well. I got to agree with you there. That was a fun, fun book and a really good interview because, you know, when and just a different aspect and a different uh, brand of pro wrestling. I mean, this hardcore style and, you know, sometimes uh, a lot of people can get carried away with it through the years. But Pondo was just one of those guys that endured the and rolled with the punches and really ended up finding himself a lot of credibility, uh, whether it would be in the pro wrestling or even the music industry via his relationships with Billy Corrigan and the Insane Clown Posse. And let's not forget the great story he told us about the uh, the, the the bet with Marilyn Manson. I, what what was it they put in their eyes? Well, the deal was of what I can remember from the interview was the uh, the Vicks Vapor Rub Challenge. Vicks Vapor Rub, that's right. <laughs> Could you imagine? And I have you uh, gone and, and and there is that clip that Pondo mentioned that it is available online. Did you go and uh, actually watch the competition itself? Yes, yes, I did, <laughs> and it's pretty much exactly as Pondo described it. Agonizing, agonizing. As we uh, talk about a few more guests, uh, who were some of the, the ones that you can remember as we look back on, on the year? Uh, and we're going to talk about some wrestling moments, of course, but I just want to talk about some of the uh, the people that we had a chance to chat with uh, during your first uh, full year here on Wrestling Memories well, Then and Now. And see, there's one of the things right there. Then and Now has become the new, uh, in the seventh season, we adopted the Then and Now because you and I had talked about this and we thought, you know, we need to talk to some of these guys that are, you know, creating memories that are creating their own memories, not just sharing memories of the past. And through that, we had guests, um, the, well, technically the current NWA junior heavyweight champion, Barrett Brown. We had Barrett Brown as a guest at the very beginning of the year as part of the then and now, uh, legacy of the show. We also had Ashton Jacobs, both of those guys, fine Texas talent from my local area. But that's another aspect we got into was the, the, the now, some of the rookies. And I enjoy, I've always enjoyed talking with Barrett. And you had the chance to talk with Ashton Jacobs as well as I did. And you mm -hmm. learned a little. Ashton Jacobs, very upstanding young man. I mean, started in training in the business. He was 11 years old. You know, to talk to these young guys. And you had a few of these current indie guys on as well that are just now starting their careers. They've only been at it for a few years. They're creating their memories. Mm -hmm. And for me... Those are fun because those are shows that people can look back on maybe five, six years from now when, you know, Barrett might be in a WWE locker room. People are going to look back on that interview and listen to some of the stuff he was telling then, and, you know, those are his memories. Those are his beginnings. We're creating history. We're, we're actually recording history of these up-and-comers so people can go back and look on it, and I think that's a great thing. And another one that you, you uh, put me in the direction of and we had a great interview with, and, and, and we're hoping to get back with uh, this person uh, as, as their career develops, uh, was a second-generation uh, uh, star in the making, Miranda Gordy. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. The Freebird's daughter, Miranda Gordy. I love Miranda. Miranda is awesome. We are going to have Miranda on again. But I think when we get Miranda on again, we might want to get the outlaw Randy Wayne on because that's the guy that she's, you know, managing right now in the Texas territories and now outside the Texas territories. They're going to Michigan. They're going to Illinois. They're going other places. So I think having Miranda on again would be great along with Randy Wayne. Talk about, you know, what they're doing in the ring now. But, yes, we had Miranda Gordy on, which was part of the, as Mark James put it, you're trying to get history from another perspective. And we got a historical perspective from her on the career of her father, Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Mm -hmm. You know, very few times can you actually talk to the son or the daughter and talk about, you know, what was it like growing up as the daughter of Terry Gordy? Or another one you had. You had a second generation. Uh, sorry, here that I was not able to be part of that interview. I'm a little disappointed. You had Brian Pillman Jr. Oh, And yes. look what Brian Pillman Jr. is doing now in the indie scene. Mm -hmm. I'm watching that kid on MLW uh, now, the weekly program they have on BN Sports. Uh, he, along with uh, uh, Teddy Hart and... Uh 
uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr., um, Harry Smith. Uh, oh my, that is uh, 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 definitely the revamped Heart Foundation, and is creating a lot of excitement. I can really start to see Brian starting to find himself and and, and get through. I mean, he's only a, barely into the the pro wrestling business, but he does have that little something just in in, in you know in this developing charisma. He just has a presence that you know you know, he has such a great look that reminds you of his dad, but also it reminds you of a kid that's actually on his way to doing something too and eventually getting out of that shadow he looks so much like his dad too i've seen pictures of him and and just the resemblance is amazing it's like looking at brian pillman again Mm -hmm. i have not had a chance to see a lot of his mlw so i don't have bn sports i do have the pursuit channel though so i'm going to be able to watch tna or no excuse me impact wrestling when they move in January, I have the Pursuit Channel. I don't have BN Sports. <laughs> you know, Half we, the country doesn't have the Pursuit Channel, but damn it, I do. <laughs> you know, should we uh, should we get into some conversation about uh, some of the uh, the things that have uh, you know ma- been making news here as we uh, get close to putting a wrap on 2018? Uh, and now you've kind of just uh, brought up something that's going to be coming up here in 2019. Uh, you know, should we should we get into this conversation? You know, let's get a little bit into that, and then we'll come back to a couple. Because there's one other guest I need to talk about before the show ends. I want to let him know that, you know, I'm safe, I'm sound, I'm good, and I want to wish the man a happy holidays. But we'll come back to him after, towards the end of the show. But, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about 2018. All right, and what a year it was uh, for for professional wrestling. First of all, I I, want to talk, since you've kind of uh, brought out uh, kind of a segue of your own here, uh, mentioning that you do indeed have the Pursuit Channel. Well, the Pursuit Channel has made a lot of news in recent days uh, uh, involving Impact Wrestling in being its new home for 2019. Now, just if if anything could be said about Impact Wrestling uh, for 2018, it's been uh, this has been a year of uh, change and a year of uh, uh, being a work in progress uh, from a company standpoint. You know, you say a work in progress, you say a change, but if you've watched, like I watched the Impact recently. You know, I missed it earlier in the year, but I've watched a lot of it recently. Not only a change, but it's a different product. It's a show that I'm actually. I look forward to watching everybody. Yes, they tape it in advance. You can go online and see the reviews, but you still want to watch the action. They're getting such a great blend of, you know, independent guys as well as some of the current names, you know, from elsewhere. It's a great product. You know, I mean, I'm kind of sad to see it go to the Pursuit Channel because a lot of people that I'm reading online, Evan Ginsberg, a guest of ours for one, they don't have the Pursuit Channel or they've never even heard of the Pursuit Channel. Which, by the way, folks, this is a, a free plug. If you happen to have DirecTV or AT&T U-verse, you do have the Pursuit Channel. It's in like the 600 block, but it's there. It is there. There's a lot of shows about bow hunting and how to you mm-hmm. know, skin a, a fish or something in there. But it's there. <laughs> but you got it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. The Pursuit Channel is there. Uh, you know, and the people, when, when this deal uh, came off the shoot, uh, Mike, there was a lot of, again, a lot of people who say, I don't have this network. But there was also a lot of, you know, what's the pursuit channel? Because I mean, when you, whenever impact always goes into these negotiations, you hear a lot of uh, channels that get mentioned. And this time around, that was no exception to the rule of previous years uh, during these uh, talks. When you heard names like sci-fi and the true T and true TV, WG and America get brought up. So when you hear something like pursuit, get brought, you know, say you brought in as the, the, the final home, for, for impact signing up for them uh, for next year, you, there has to be some bit of a letdown just because those names always get bandied about those networks. Unfortunately, yes, because they're so with the influx of cable TV and satellite and streaming, there are so many options. You know, if you look at Lucha Underground, people were wondering, are they coming back for a season four? There was talk that you know Netflix might buy them because you know, and Netflix is still in the realm. I've read plenty of news stories that Netflix is interested in getting like a episodic wrestling TV series. And if somebody were able to present a product that can go on Netflix, they could be huge because everybody has Netflix. I mean, come on, who's, who's not watching the chilling adventures of Sabrina? Who's not watching orange is the new black. Everybody has Netflix. They want to get into the episodic wrestling venture. And if they do it, I believe they can issue out weekly episodes. 
or you may just get one full season all in one blow and you can just boom. There's just so many ways to watch it, but Netflix is getting into, uh, wants to get into it. But yeah, the pursuit channel that came up and they just literally made an announcement. We are moving to the pursuit channel and nobody knew what the pursuit channel was. The pursuit channel is probably one of the most Google TV channels right now because everybody wants to know if they have it so that they continue to watch impact wrestling. Absolutely. Uh, when it comes to the IWC that had the, been up there in trending, uh, you forgot about the Kaminsky method. I mean, I mean, love that program on Netflix. See, again, there, I do another show that, uh, uh, from a person who loves, loves Netflix. There you go. The Kaminsky. I mean, and if Netflix gets into it, like they have the Joel McHale show, which is, you know, You've seen that show. It gives you all the talk TV show highlights. It used to be the soup on E! Entertainment. Now it's called the Joel McHale Show. They were able to release that every week, a new episode posted. They didn't release it in a batch. So Netflix has shown they can do that. And if you present a wrestling product that people want to see, they're going to go back to it. And the great thing about Netflix is you don't have to be, oh, i got to set my DVR for Tuesday at 1.30 a.m. on you know, the Popeye channel. You go to Netflix, you just push play. You can watch it whenever you want, when you got time, at your convenience. If a group, honestly, in my opinion, if a group can catch up with Netflix or Hulu, Hulu is another one. If you can catch up with one of those two streaming channels, you have the opportunity to have a huge, a huge audience for a wrestling show. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to say, and we can segue into this a little bit, maybe that's what Howard Brody should have gone with with Ring Warriors. I mean, just 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 to say, I don't I don't mean to be rude. No, no, you're being uh you're being a fan and and you're you're making an observation because we just heard that uh, Ring Warriors now has moved uh, its its base over to to Amazon Prime after being uh, on on WGN America. I'm not sure what the deal is. Are they going to be back on WGN America? Is this just a straight move over? I mean, there's been just so many things when it, when we talk about 2018. Ring Warriors definitely one of them. How uh, in the summer the initial hype announcement uh, it sounded like you know wrestling was back on. Saturdays and then when you peel back sort of again you peel back the realities of what it does take some in some cases not all instances of getting a wrestling show on uh, on, a, on a channel on, on, a, on a place like WGN there was a little more to it and it really didn't seem quite as fruitful and as a big of a deal as a, you know a, a show like an impact moving to it to a WGN America if it would have worked out. Unfortunately, once you peel back the layers of Ring Warriors, and I'm not going to mention names because, you know, guys like Christopher Cruz have pretty much already mentioned every name possible in this. If you peel it back, there's a history of problems inside their executive board. And if you peel it back a little bit more, you found out that they were actually, it was actually a bot show from what I understand. They were paying for time. There are plenty of promotions out here if I had the money. I could say, hey, guys, I'm putting down $10,000. I just bought you guys a TV slot. They're on TV. But what it is is you got to get the fans to go and watch it. Because when you're paying for that spot, if you're not getting something back, eventually, you know, the money starts to run low. And unfortunately, in the case of, you know, not just saying Ring Warriors, but many groups over the days. I mean, you could look at some of the ones that Wrestling Society X, um, Lucha America, whatever ran on MTV, so many of these shows, once the money starts to run down, it can't keep promoting no matter how great the product is. And unfortunately, Ring Warriors and a couple others, that's something else that came to light in 2018. It just, it's that proverbial, you know, black something that just kind of pops up to let you know, hey guys, I have a wrestling show. But then eventually, you know, no matter how much talent you got, if you don't have the money to back it up, it's a sad state to say that, but if you don't have the money to back it up, you're not going to stay on TV. And it goes back to finding balance in that era of instant gratification. I mean, yes, wrestling, you know, the indies have really made a rise uh, this year. And we're going to get into uh, just uh, what the the indies have been doing, the synergy of the indies, including the uh, the all-in uh, and the all-in effect. But when you when you have a wrestling company, it's just, hey, I got a wrestling show. It's on this so-and-so. It just doesn't have that pop. And then when you find out that it was it was a paid-for uh, kind of a deal, it kind of takes some steam out of it. And did you have a chance to, to watch the Ring Warriors product? Because, I mean, uh, getting in the way of all this, uh, you know, talk about where the money is and what happened and how it got on, uh, what was your thoughts if you did watch uh, some of the shows on, 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 on the Ring Warriors actual product, uh, pros and cons? I mean, we're, we're here. We're being honest. We're not being hurt. 
You know, I, I did watch I did watch Ring Warriors. I rec- I will admit I DVR'd it. I'm usually asleep at eight o'clock in the morning, but I recorded it. I watched it. Um, some of friends of mine are on that show. I've known Hammerstone for a few years. He's on there. Uh, Jeff Cobb was on there. Aries was on there. They had a great lineup of talent. The matches were decent. You know, I mean, I would compare it to some of the things you see on you know two hundred five live main events, stuff like that. Were they raw quality? Eh. Were they impact quality? Possibly. But, you know, if you compare it to the TV wrestling scene, if you look at it, there's obviously a hierarchy. You got your Raw, you got your SmackDown, then you kind of dwindle down. Were they a Raw quality production? No. Main event, 205 Live, that type of production? Yes, it was great wrestling. I enjoyed it. Some of the storylines were a little, you know, convoluted. You know, Aries in the whole, you know, I'm here, but he's refusing to wrestle anybody until he finds somebody good enough to face him. You know, stuff like that. Now, production-wise, as far as, like, visual, it almost took me back to, like, when I was, like, a kid. When, you know, TBS used to have the center stage theater and Tony Schiavone was on a little set off to the side of the ring because it felt like a television studio. It didn't feel like a wrestling event. And I think that's one of the things that might have hurt Ring Warriors a little bit. We've kind of gone past the old you know, center stage studio where you go over to the desk after your match and there's Shivani with his microphone to do your interview. We've gone past the TV studio. And unfortunately, Ring Warriors, for me, kind of had that effect to it. And that kind of took me away from it because in this day and age, it's more the look, the visual. You know, they had the matches, but their production value was a little, maybe 1980s. Oh, you're you're being uh, you're nailing it on the head here because when I was watching it too, I mean the the star quality was there. There was some wonderful talent, a mix of old and young alike. But there was just a lot of things, uh, you know, they messed up, including their their women's division. They had some wonderful talent like Santana Garrett, and they kind of muddied up her role in it. And uh, you know, it's just the thing with with Ring Warriors and the crowd at Sam's Town uh, in, in Vegas. They're just it, the lighting. It just seemed like it was it was half asleep to begin with it also reminded me to a degree just of the the, the, the crowd atmosphere it reminded me without the canned uh, noise of the uh, uh, the 19, mid-1990s AWF that they had on syndicated markets for a while where uh, you know they brought in all these stars but it, it just seemed like a canned uh, center stage light sort of a show it really reminded me of that because it was uh, I mean, a lot, a lot of talent there but it just seemed like the execution was was not good, and you know when you have a, a show that you're buying, or you're you're paying for time, or making a deal for time, uh, wouldn't you think that you could uh, start building a base of good storylines and uh, you know the revenue thing, maybe uh, with with booking shows? Isn't that usually the method of the old days to have you know live shows lined up and not just do these TV tapings to hope for a, a domestic and international uh, a stream as far as uh, viewership and, and financial dealings? Well, you know, if you look at the old days, you look at the AWA or WWS so that, the television was basically a commercial for the house shows. That's where you made your money. You put your couple guys on TV to show people your product, but you did it to hype up the next, you know, the next house show. They're going to be live in, you know, Minneapolis, Minnesota. They're going to be live in San Francisco, California. They're going to be live in Dallas, Texas. That's what it was television product was an advertisement for your talent, for your show to get people to go to the live events. Nowadays, I think it's more, you know, television is your money maker. Cause there you got your advertisers, you got your sponsors. That's where you're making your money. Oh, obviously. And the house shows are not as important. You're hyping like WWF. They're hyping the pay-per-views. They're hyping the network, you know? So I think ring warriors maybe kind of, should have done a little bit more. Hey, here's what we have. Come see us live here. And they didn't do that. And another group that was in Samstown a few years back was um, Paragon Pro Wrestling. Um, I'm friends with the man behind that. And they ran to Samstown. Their show, you know, I thought their show was pretty well quality. It aired on, I believe, WG in America as well. But they had a good quality show with good production value. But they had house shows in Oregon and stuff like that to back it up you know now granted it's an indie it was an indie group so you know you don't quite have the same but they had the right idea i think ring warriors kind of maybe failed in that that maybe they should have presented this as hey check this out come see the live shows people go to the live shows 
they go, wow, these guys are great. Oh, they're on TV. Let me go check that out. Then TV ratings go up. Then networks start to notice you and say, hey, your ratings are coming up. All right, we want to. We're going to move you out of the bot spot. We're going to put you into like you know a, a noon spot, more eloquent, not eight o'clock in the morning. You're getting the ratings. You know, keep it up. And unfortunately, Ring Warriors wasn't able to do that. Now, where Ring Warriors uh, tried and, and really it hasn't really been a, a success, there's been a lot of talk uh, going into the uh, new year here about a brand new company that's coming in uh, with potentially, potentially, it's all potentially, all guns blazing. There's been things that have been copyrighted. There's been stars that have left companies. Uh, we're talking about, uh, well, I want to talk about uh, first of all, the All Elite Wrestling, but again, maybe not first of all, I should go back and say that. I want to talk about how the All In Effect uh, has and what it's done for wrestling with the events leading up to the All In, some of the things that have uh, sprung from the All In. The All seemed like what it was uh, with the All In show was just the ultimate and independent pro wrestling synergy. That was a place where, where, where all these wrestlers could come to hang and put on a great show uh, in uh, you know the greater Chicagoland area. I want to talk about All In, the All In effect, and of course what is leading up to one of the hotly hot rumors, the hot potential company of 2019, All Elite Wrestling, because you know what? You want to talk about something that's getting started. They've got some great hype uh, generated already for this that's getting some really considerable, legit mainstream buzz here, not only in the pro wrestling world, but even in you know pop culture and sports culture. You know, definitely 2019 is going to be a year to watch out for because, you know, everybody's got their eyes on uh, All Elite Wrestling. Obviously, Cody and the Young Bucks. I believe also uh, that's Jim Ross and Jericho are also possibly attached to this as well, which is another big thing. But you're right. You can't talk about all elite wrestling without talking about all in. You can't talk about 2018 without talking about all in this show. It was basically, it was an indie show. If you take away all the bells and whistles on it, it was an indie show. It was indie matches, indie wrestlers, but they sold out a 10,000 seat arena in a matter of minutes when their tickets went on sale. And that actually probably, in my opinion, I think it got people like, you know, Vincent, they got to notice this. Wait a minute. Who's this little indie group that just sold out of 10,000? They may deny that, but you know that the powers that be in the bigger companies, they noticed this. They sold out a 10,000 seat arena in minutes. They created a buzz that had not been created for years on an indie show. You know, barring you know your your Wrestle Kingdom, but that's New Japan. That's not really an indie. It's a major fed, but they had a buzz. Everybody was excited about All In. Glenn, you got All In. You got All In at the very last minute. You watched the first I think hour that they showed on WGN and went, "Hey, I want to see this," and you bought it. And that's what wrestling is supposed to do. They teased you with an hour of, "Hey, this is what you're gonna see. If you don't buy All In, you're not, you're gonna miss it." It's not going to be shown on you know, national television. This is the only way to see it is on pay-per-view or on Fight TV. They created a buzz. It absolutely and impressed me. Oh, sorry. It absolutely impressed me. I mean, you said, because I mean, I, I've kind of casually followed the indies, and I've been kind of casually following what Cody has been doing ever since he's left the, left the WWE, how he kind of created this list of guys he wanted to work against, guys he wanted to work with. He I mean, he kind of became this ultimate free agent, hearkening back to those days of guys that would come into different territories, light it up for a while with their star value, and keep moving on. That true spirit of, 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 a, of a wrestling uh, independent contract. And with Cody, he's a very a very smart guy. I mean, him and along with the young Bucks, you can't uh, deny they're just, you know, when somebody challenged them, they rose to the challenge and they sold those tickets. And, you know, it was a great show. It got me to buy and I got me. I didn't feel any sort of, you know, like buyer's remorse watching this. I knew some of the names, some I didn't. I was... Uh, you know, pleasantly surprised with really what was the perfect composite of like an indie show super card. And I, I loved, I loved the all in. It had moments for everyone and it really was just impressive how the full execution of it, not only the, uh, the, the actual wrestling show, but the way they handled the weekend, including, you know, many, uh, people taking part in the podcasting aspect of it too. I mean, this was a professionally done show. I mean, the merchandise they, 
they cleared. This was big time. This was like the the those super card shows that you would see in the old after magazines of old. I mean, it was fun and it wasn't a Vince thing. I mean, it was a separate thing, but it also did so much for the business. Definitely. And if you and if you look at it when you started watching it, it had the super show feel to it. You know, yeah, they didn't have all the all the pyro and all the lights and all the, the Titantron screens and everything like some of your major companies do. But it just had that feeling you were watching something that was going to be historical. Something was going to be talked about years on down the road. That's exactly what All In was. And you mentioned it as well, StarCast. StarCast was another, I'm hoping to do that again. StarCast was another weekend that a couple years ago, not possible. But, you know, Conrad Thompson, and there's a man who, at first, people knew him as, oh, he's the guy who hosted Ric Flair's podcast a couple years ago. Conrad Thompson has made a name for himself in the wrestling world with his shows with Bruce Pritchard, Eric Bischoff, Tony Schiavone, and he put together StarCast. And if you watch the StarCast weekend, which I did, I can now officially say I have seen every event that happened at StarCast. Professional well put together, a few, you know, glitches here and there. They had a couple sound issues, but, you know, that's going to happen when you do something like this. But he put together something that brought podcasting and the show to a new level, and he did it along with All In. And the whole weekend itself, when you package it all up together, was probably one of the greatest weekends in wrestling for years, better than WrestleMania in my opinion. It got people noticing, uh, you know, not only, uh, uh, you know, the casual fan, but it also got Vince to notice and even even gave the courage to, to companies like ROH to uh, go into Madison Square Garden and put on a show in Vince's backyard. And one of the things, too, that was also an impact that was impacted out of all in, uh, Mike, uh, was the NWA and uh, the booking of a big time feel for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, something that has been building with Billy Corgan purchasing the company, but something the NWA really hasn't had uh, to a, that big of a degree in many years. I mean, you could say the best of seven between Cole Cabana and Adam Pierce drew attention, but they were not drawing a 10,000 seat, uh, you know, 10,000 at a crowd, uh, 10,000 crowd here uh, in attendance. Uh, pardon me, I'm getting a little muddied here. But anyway, uh, to bring the NWA world title in with Nick Aldis and, and, and Cody for a big match that had a big fight uh, appeal, that had that almost a classic touch of the old days. I mean, that's in a big thing, uh, not only for uh, the guys who were behind the all-in, but also to get the NWA and Billy Corgan's uh, you know run here a little more attention as well. I like what Billy Corgan has done with the NWA. I think he's doing things the right way. Because now, obviously, the NWA is not a group of independent federations or group of wrestling organizations together and all that. NWA is kind of its own entity now. You know, yes, the champions are going to other cards and all that, but it's not a group of, you don't have NWA, this group, NWA, this group, which is what happened a few years ago with uh, the previous regime. I was part of the business with ISWE out here in Dallas, Texas. We were an NWA affiliate. There was another NWA affiliate out here in Texas. They had NWA affiliates in California. That's the way that, um, you know, the previous regime, Bruce Starr, that's the way he was running it. And the NWA world champion would go around to place to place. He had guys like Tim Storm, Jax Dane, Rob Conway, big names. These guys all had the NWA world title. They traveled around. Now the NWA world title is back on the waist of Nick Aldis, but it seems to be more at an NWA event, which is the way I think it should be. I don't think it should be a group of them that travels around. NWA, I think, should run as its own entity at this point in time. And you're right. You had Nick Aldis and Cody at All In. Cody won the, the world title. I don't think anybody was surprised about that. Uh, but Cody won the title. A couple months later, October, NWA 70th anniversary show, another Another great show. They had audio issues. Yes, they went back. You, you couldn't hear anything, but you know the wrestling was superb. You had the rematch, two out of three falls. Nick Aldis regained the title. All in gave NWA a little bit lesser, and then they came back with the NWA 70th anniversary show, which I thought was a great show. One of our guests, Barrett Brown, he was on that show. He was one of the opening matches of the card. But the NWA is having a resurgence. I'm hoping in 2019 we're going to see more. Because, you know, Billy Corgan has had his, you know, name in the hat before when it comes to wrestling. 
He's ran a few other groups and all that. And I'm hoping that Billy Corgan is going to have a little more success with this. I think people are a little surprised by what Billy Corgan has done with the NWA. I think once he bought it, they figured, oh, it's going to fail. I don't think it's going to fail. I think it's going to be a different product. I think, you know, might be more affiliated with Fight TV, but I think it's going to be a different product. I think fans are going to go and watch it. It's going to be an alternative to your WWE, your TNA, excuse me, your Impact. I always want to say TNA. Your Impact, your Ring of Honor. It's going to be another alternative. And as a wrestling fan, the more alternatives we have to watch, it just gives it, it's more entertaining for us. I mean, I'm still a fan. I still watch Monday Night Raw, all three hours of it for the most part. I still watch SmackDown. I still, and I watch a lot of indies, especially out here in Texas. January 5th, I'll be in an indie show. I'm going to DCW Sabotage Wrestling. They're doing a show called Battle of the Genders. I'm just going to throw that into Irving, Texas at the Southern Junction Steakhouse. There's my free plug for the, for the show on January 5th. But I'm still watching the indies, and the indies are hot now. There's so much wrestling product for fans to enjoy. If you don't like this, there's something out there you're going to like. If you don't like what All Elite Wrestling might come up with, you might like what Billy Corgan's coming up with with NWA. And let's not forget that next week, Wrestle Kingdom's coming up, and you know that the majority of wrestling fans are going to be up at 4 o'clock in the morning here in America, because over in Japan, you know, nighttime, to watch Wrestle Kingdom. Cody and Juice Robinson are on the card. You're going to want to see Omega defend the title against Ibushi. You're going to want to see Jericho and Naito again in a rematch. Because we're fans, and the wrestling now, I think this is probably, 2018 has been probably one of the best years to be a fan. Oh, most most definitely, and you know, we have some time here. Boy, this uh, show has really taken off. We didn't even know if we were going to be able to fill the hour, but we got to talk a little bit now, Mike, uh, about some of the guys. Not We're not going to get into a big, uh, lengthy discussion, a big, lengthy segment, but we have a little bit of time reserved for some of the guys uh, and gals that we have lost, and it was another another sad year. We said goodbye to, to many here in the pro wrestling business. It has been a rough year. I always... You know, my wife, she's she's a big fan of all the award shows, the Emmys, the Oscars, the Golden Globes, the, the screen, that, whatever. They do the in-memoriam, and you always have the sad piano music, or you have the person singing, and you see all the names that come up, and you go, oh, And then you see those names, oh, I didn't know they died. Mm-hmm. And it's sad, because there are so many that pass over a year, in a year span of time, you forget a lot of names. And then, unfortunately, in 2018, you know, there were so so many names we lost this year. Some we lost all in one day. There was one day this summer that was just a bad day all around, and we know we all know who what day that was. But we lost so many names this year. Just recently, just about a week or so ago, we lost Dynamite Kid, mm-hmm. Jim Neidhart, Brickhouse Brown, Don Leo Jonathan, Nikolai Volkov, Bruno Sammartino, Brian Christopher. Oh, I'm just... I have a list of all the names, and folks, if you want to see a list, a true in-memoriam, you can go to our Facebook page, you can go to our group page, and I will have a list of all those that we lost in 2018. The names I'm coming up with right now, just off the top of my head, and, but just so many more, and so many legends we lost this Oh, year. absolutely, Mike. I mean, I'm looking just at uh, the month by month, and I had to fill in a few that weren't uh, put on this list that I had. I mean, uh, you're talking uh, even in January, we lost Emily Dole uh, from, from GLOW, I mean, at the age of 60, and we saw her health struggles in the GLOW documentary. In April, uh, yeah, on the 4th, we lost Johnny Valiant, of course, of the legendary uh, Valiant Brothers. They weren't brothers in blood, but uh, but they were brothers in the tag team world of professional wrestling. On the 18th of April, the double whammy of Bruno Sammartino and Paul Jones. I I, I mean, Nick Big Bully Busick in May. I mean, uh, that guy I remember from, from his days in the WWF. And, uh, you know, we lost Vader in, in June, Leon White, uh, at the age of 63. And, and another one that was really sad because he, he died young. He had he had problems was it with the brain tumor was it was Matt Capitelli I mean that was another one of those names uh, when you see it, just how young he was it really does break your heart the guy was not even forty years old. No, and Matt Capitelli I just in fact I just recently watched a few episodes of Tough Enough from that season. You know, for people who may not remember Matt Capitelli, he was the the co winner of Tough Enough along with John Hennigan. Who, of course, we now know Johnny Nitro, Johnny Impact, Johnny Blaze, Johnny Sunshine. 
Yes, Debbie KRP reference. I said Johnny Sunshine. Nice. So many names of that man wrestling, but more famous. We're going to call him John Morrison. But Matt Cavatelli was the co-winner of Tough Enough that year. And one of the most talented guys on that season, obviously. He deserved the right to be one of the winners that year. And most people remember he's the guy that Bob Holly decided to stiff a little bit, but that's another you know, story for another time. But, yeah, unfortunately, he wins and then was diagnosed with the brain tumor. He fought back from it, though. He had it. He fought back from it. He was continuing on, and then it just kind of came back, and we lost him, which is really sad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're going to move on here. Like in the month of July, I mean, I'm looking back and I can remember when, you know, finding out uh, Mr. Saito passed away. And, you know, I grew up watching Mr. Saito in the AWA when he first, uh, around 1983, when he was teaming up with Jesse Ventura with the Far East Connection, his feud with Hulk Hogan, along with David Schultz. I mean, that, that, one, that one rattled me. But the one you mentioned, the day we lost three personalities, still, I, I can still think about that day. And I remember it well because that night i ended up having dinner with bruce hart and bob johnson who were uh, en route to uh, winnipeg uh, coming back from waterloo from the uh, the pro wrestling hall of fame down there uh, for that weekend had just wrapped up and we were talking about these these, these uh, deaths and how they kind of kept popping up we'd see things on on our uh, you know our web on our reminders on our phones but i mean we we had brian lawler seeing him you know just the unfortunate incident you know of how his life ended uh we had nikolai volkov uh, who was who was older but yes we did we weren't quite ready for that one at all i mean 70 still relatively young age but a guy who we really got to know a little more and uh, his last i mean we remember him from the pro wrestling world but you know just for his battle against cancer and for a battle that people had already called him he, he i mean this is a guy that literally came back from the dead towards the end but had finally passed away and he had made a, such a, a big presence uh, not only uh, in the pro wrestling world but at the cac this past year i'm talking about brickhouse brown i mean brian lawler brian christopher nikolai volkoff and brickhouse brown that was a, a trifecta of sadness uh, on that late july day definitely like i said that's one of those days you're going to remember Nikolai Volkov, I grew up watching him in the WWF, you know, not much of the 70s and all, but in the 80s, I remember him. He was part of the Bolsheviks. You stand up for the Soviet National Anthem. Mm-hmm. Funny story about that. I went and saw WWF did a house show in my hometown, Eureka, California, 1988. And they were in the power, the Bolsheviks were in a match. And Nikolai Volkov, you know, they made the announcement, please rise for the Russian National Anthem. Sure. I love the Bolsheviks. I stood up. I was going to stand up proud. My mother, who was there with me, I was like 15 years old. She grabbed me by the collar of my shirt, told me, you sit down, you don't stand up for a Russian anthem. I'm like, but mom, it's Nikolai Volkov. <laughs> I, was, I loved Nikolai Volkov, but my mother, man, oh, don't stand up for the Russian national anthem, which was great because people still believed it back then. She was so mad at me because I stood up for the Russian national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. That's kayfabe working. It's power. Right there, my friend. I mean, and when you think about, I think about Nikolai, though, you know, and it's so cool that we're able to kind of see a little bit more than just some of his WWF days. Or, I mean, we, there is uh, some of his Mid-South run. He was in Florida. He worked uh, for a while, even in the AWA, Boris Brezhnikov. I mean, this was a guy that had other, you know, had a pretty well-rounded career. Uh, and uh, it just sad. And what a, what a brute of a guy, too. This was a man that was... Uh, just as strong as a as an ox. Even in old age, that man is in better shape than me. I wouldn't scrap with Nikolai Volkov. Well, maybe now, but you <laughs> well, know, yeah. back then, I wouldn't have scrapped with him because that man was still in shape at the age of in his sixties. It was amazing. Bruno <laughs> San Martino was another one. That man was never out of shape. No, not at all. I mean, just dedicated until until basically the, the, their dying breath. I mean, in August, too, I mean, you talked about uh, the loss of, of Jim Neidhart, the anvil. There's another gentleman, uh, you know, we remember very well growing up in our era of, of starting to discover pro wrestling, that unmistakable goatee, I mean, the, the, the laugh, I mean, the tag team with, with his brother-in-law, Brett, I mean, the Hart Foundation. We want to talk about one of the great teams of the 1980s, I mean, you, you can't you can't put it to the side the hitman and the anvil and it was so sad that we lost him in the month of August along with uh, Chris Champion passed away on the 22nd and a, 
guy too, um, you know, that they didn't talk too much about, but a man who definitely was an impact player in, in helping to guide the WWF uh, behind the scenes, uh, you know, as they mapped out the national expansion and WrestleMania. And he was ended up getting the position of a former senior, was senior vice president before he retired in the mid nineties, Ed Cohen. I mean, we can't neglect that this guy did major things uh, for pro wrestling, albeit behind the scenes. Well, definitely. There's a lot of those behind-the-scenes guys that, you know, we lost this year that, you know, they had an impact on wrestling that people aren't going to know who they are. It goes back to what I said about the Emmy Oscar Golden Globe tribute. You see that guy, and it'll be, you know, Arthur, you know, Doohiddle. And, you know, he was a executive grip for one of, you know, the most famous movies in the world. You wouldn't know who he was. Mm-mm. But he had a major impact on, you know, in the movies and television. Same with wrestling. Ed Cohen, he had a major impact on wrestling at that time. There's a lot of those behind-the-scenes names. Oh, oh for and, you know, sure. Talking about Jim Neidhart real fast, I want to throw this in because recently, you know, you watch WWE television like I do. Mm-hmm. Jim Neidhart came back into the scene a little bit with this little feud going on between his daughter Natalia and Ruby Riot. Folks, she put Neidhart's picture on a table saying she was going to put Natty through that table. Natty cried because they broke the sunglasses. Folks, I think I can say that if Jim Neidhart were, you know, able to give his opinion, he would have loved it. It's called a show. It's called Heel Heat. It's Mm -hmm. called getting the fans riled up. How do you do it? Oh, she's doing this in honor of her dad. Oh, that's so beautiful. Well, guess what? Here's a picture of dad on table. I'm going to put you through it. (laughs) Did Natty go through it? No. She put Ruby Wright's picture on a table and put Ruby through that. So, therefore, she got the pop. Mm-hmm. Her father would have loved it. Folks, quit complaining, saying it's in poor taste. Oh, it's in bad taste. It's wrestling. It's okay. Take it for what it is. Step down off the show back. Just, just enjoy it. I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was a chance for the Anvil to get back into the spotlight for a little bit. Because, damn it, his daughter is probably one of the most talented you know, women in the WWE. If you did not see her wrestle Ronda Rousey on Monday, go back and watch that match. Beautiful match. And oh. there's something else we can talk about after we're done with our in memoriam. It's like Ronda Rousey, but we're not going to talk about who's here now. We're going to talk about those we've lost. Yeah, and we we lost a few in the fall here of this year, including most notably Don Leo Jonathan, a veteran of the pro wrestling world. Uh, it was a second generation guy, so he had ties all the way damn near back to the turn of the century for pro wrestling. Uh, Dick Slater, uh, uh, just a, a bona fide badass from the state of Florida. We uh, had on uh, Rudy... Rudy uh, Boy Gonzalez to talk about uh, Jose Lothario passing in November. Also, we lost Larry Matisic. Uh You want to talk about another behind-the-scenes guy? He was also in front of the camera, too, uh, wrestling with the chase, the St. Louis pro wrestling. Uh, you know, just St. Louis as a city was its own territory. Uh, his working uh, as Sam Muchnick's right-hand man. Uh, and just, we've had him, I had him had the chance to talk with him on Wrestling Memories in the past. Well, a nice guy, always a guy that was ready to uh, uh, to, to to pass along some knowledge. He wasn't one of these guys that just lived in his own head. He was a guy that was uh, true, tried and true, a lover, a lover of the pro wrestling business. And you know, as we say goodbye to these guys, I really, it really kind of breaks my heart when uh, you know to see Larry in the last couple of years. But just to, to see Larry pass away this year, you know, he's in a better place. But it's still, I mean, from just having to talk with him a couple of times on wrestling memories and email, I really got the gist of what this guy was about. And he was a class act. Larry was also a great historian. And for me, I follow all the historians. Larry Matisic was one of the top historians. And I have most of his books. He helped Barbara Goodish with the book that she wrote about her husband. You know, Larry was not just a promoter of wrestling. And if you haven't heard of wrestling of the chase folks, go look up some of wrestling of the chase. Go after it. Amazing wrestling. I can recommend one thing right now, Ric Flair, Bruiser Brody, 60-minute time limit draw. I have the DVD of that. I've watched that so many times, I think I can call my own spots. <laughs> but wrestling at the chase, Larry Matizic, big loss right there. Oh, 100%. And we've mentioned uh, last a couple of weeks back, I had George on to talk about the passing of Larry Hennig at the beginning of the month of December. And, of course, Dynamite Kid uh, the day before. But now uh, I, 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 I want to just wrap up the in memoriam because we only have uh, just a little bit of time left. 
Uh, before you get to your uh, greeting uh, to one of our former guests, uh, I mean, if anything, if we want to talk about the year in wrestling. Ronda Rousey, you know, when when people heard Ronda Rousey was making the switch from uh, UFC and, and mixed martial arts, oh yeah, there she goes, tail between her leg. You know, she didn't, uh, she couldn't do it anymore in this business. So now she's trying wrestling. Whatever they thought it may, might have been just a cheap pop sort of a thing, but throughout this year, I'm watching this woman just morph into a, a wrestling. Who, who in the ring is starting to look more like a, an established veteran. It seems like it's been such a great fit, and it seems like it's going to be onward and upward here with this Ronda Rousey experiment and just another injection into an already explosive women's division. Women in wrestling, again, another banner year. Oh, definitely. If you look back on 2018, you're going to see your top stories, and we've mentioned some of those. We mentioned All In. We mentioned the resurgence of the NWA impact going on this. Ronda Rousey is going to be one of the top stories of 2018. She is proof that hard work. She trained with Santina Brothers Wrestling School. I know the men from Santina Brothers Wrestling School. She trained with Jezebel Romo. I know Jezebel very well. Met her many times at CAC. She had a chance to train with them. She got the basics. She got the training the way she should have. She went into the ring, and she was ready. WrestleMania, I think, you know, everybody's like, okay, it's that one-shot thing. No. One shot, that's the Raw Women's Champion right now. She's put on great matches. Her match with Charlotte Flair at Survivor Series, although Charlotte was a substitution at the very end due to the, the you know broken orbital bone from on uh, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey put on an amazing match. Natalie, Natalia and Ronda Rousey put on an amazing match. And I mentioned her name, Becky Lynch. That's another woman in 2018 went grabbed the bull by the horns and said, okay, I'm the man. She refers to herself as the man, Becky Lynch. She is the top one to beat right now. The women's division of WWE, definitely a 2018 highlight. As well, speaking of WWE, we might got to get this one in. Little shaky here on our last show. Australia, they went to for the Super Showdown. Two shows in Saudi Arabia. They signed this mega millions dollar deal over all these shows in Saudi Arabia. And the shows themselves have been great quality shows. Unfortunately, there's been some political, we're not going to get into that, that kind of cast a shadow over the last Saudi Arabia show. But WWE is not going anywhere. And in 2018, they made huge business moves, not just with their women's division, just now announcing women's tag team title, but with the Saudi Arabia deal. And folks, yes, politically, I'm not a fan of it. Professionally, though, they're putting on great shows. The Greatest Royal Rumble, that was a spectacle. That was something to see, you know, excluding Titus sliding under the ring, which is probably one of the, the career highlights of 2018 for that game. But 2018 was a banner year for WWE for the Saudi Arabia shows, going to Australia for the Super Show, and the women's division. We saw Evolution. We saw the tag team titles coming up. The women's division, it started in 2017, building up. 2018 was a huge year. They're talking 2019. We may see the first ever women's main event at WrestleMania. All power to them because they're putting out some good, good stuff. You know, as we wrap up right now, because we're getting close to, uh, you know, putting the pin in here, uh, you have a message for a former guest who we may have uh, back on the program here in 2019. Oh, man. He, uh, he, he found you, he had his radar, he had his, uh, his sights set on you the minute you turned on the mic, uh, I guess, for the, our episode when we had him on. But you have a message of love and peace, of course, as we wrap up today for the Star Maker. You know, man, I'm, I'm going to say this. We've had a lot of guests in 2018 that I was so happy to interview. But for me, a personal highlight is going to be the Star Maker, Kenny Boland. You, know, you had not had an opportunity to interview Mr. Boland before, so you kind of got a, a crash course. In it. You give the mic to Mr. Boland, and Mr. Boland is going to deliver. I just want to let Mr. Boland know, one, sir, happy holidays, season's greetings, best for you and your family in 2018. Hope to hear from you more in 2019. We want to have you back as a guest. But, sir, I'm fine. I'm safe. Not broke down on the interstate. No heat stroke. Don't have to call Terry Funk to come find me. I'm good. But you are definitely, for me, the highlight of 2018 as far as the interviews go on Wrestling Memories then and now. We got a 10-minute diatribe on Donald Trump that we had to edit out of the radio show. You can find the uncensored version. Kenny Bowen is our first uncensored show. Hour and a half uncensored, and you cut it down to a 50-minute censored show. 
So that just goes to tell you what Kenny Bowen had to talk about. But Kenny, for me, highlight of 2018. Absolutely. And we thank uh, Mr. Bolin. I can't wait to get him back on. For me, my highlight, uh, I guess if I had to pick them all, I really enjoyed talking with Mike Moran, a former member of the Texas Hangman. He wrestled on AWA television. He did enhancement matches as Mike Richards. He was also in disorderly conduct. A guy who has many a tie to the pro wrestling business and even old Bubba, Bubba the Love Sponge he had, had a tie to. And we had our, our first uh, interview of uh, what's going to be an interesting project with Mike and a few of, of the other $150 guys the buck 50 guys that we're going to be working with with a program about enhancement wrestlers through the years so i think mike moran was the guy that i uh, was my favorite interview because he really got the ball rolling for for future ideas i unfortunately was on assignment at that time but i did get to listen to it i'm looking forward to the enhancement show i've talked with dusty wolf we're gonna try to get dusty wolf on there if you don't know who dusty wolf is go back and watch 80s wwf you're gonna or excuse me dale wolf the man even has a shirt that says, who the F is Dale Wolf? Because, you know, he's, he's Dusty Wolf. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, I guess the only thing we got to do is uh, let this old 2018 flip to 2019. You know, Grizz, it's been an awesome year, and I can't wait to do uh, more episodes, work on more projects with you in the new year. And, we, uh, you know, heck, we might even have a three-person episode where we talk old-school wrestling with uh, uh, one of our OGs here, uh, Mr. Shire. I'm always willing to sit down and talk with George, man. I love George. I always talk to him at CAC. But you know what? I'm just going to say this. 2018 has been a great year. This is my year to get back into the podcast, radio shows. I've taken a break for a couple years. I've enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to 2019. we got big stuff coming up, man. I'm looking forward to it. And in a year, we're going to talk about the highlights of 2019 and getting ready for 2020. Absolutely. So. For the Grizzled Veteran, Michael McCurdy, I'm Glenn Broggett. This has been Wrestling Memories Then and Now.